I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another Lost for Words DFS podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's everything going? Yeah, really well, thank you. Um, positive week at the Mexico Open. I think we kind of broke it down quite nicely. Uh, in terms of outrights, Aaron Wise was the closest for me, but Brandon Wu had a really good week for you and you, you were very keen on him as we spoke about last week. Yeah, I had him outright 130 to 1, which at the time, him when he was heading to 18, I really thought he probably needed the Eagles. And I think he probably thought that too. And if he just he missed that um, bunker, bunker if he was two feet forward, he would have had a 25-foot eagle putt and probably got into a playoff. But um, got the, a big ticket on the top 10, a, a decent one on the top five as well. And um, I had a really good lineup, um, six out of six in the 33 single. I came in 15th in that contest. So pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's, it's all good stuff. And I think it was... It was hard, wasn't it? We're going in fairly blind. I mean, we, you know, you had your your video interview that you did with the the course director, or tournament director, and that was obviously useful. But I think it was good to have such a positive week on something that was actually quite hard to break down. And I think we've actually got a little bit of a break this week with the Wells Fargo. Um, as we mentioned last week, it's not not the not the usual course with Quail Hollow. We're actually at TPC Potomac, but we do have some history to go by with that. Yeah, we, yeah, we get something. Um, I the field is tough this week. It's kind of you know, a little bit differently than la- than last week, and um, I guess the first thing that will kind of lead us into to the pricing here was I was surprised. How is Rory three hundred dollars more expensive in this field than Rom was in last week's field, considering the betting odds? I think that was that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it kind of makes no sense, right? I'm guessing they've kind of factored in his Quail Hollow history as opposed to um, what well, he's never played here, right? So, well, to my knowledge, anyway. So, um, I think they've kind of factored that in as Wells Fargo tournament history as opposed to um, his course history and I think they kind of expect you know not the, not the most diehards to kind of think about that they just look at the fact that he's won Wells Fargo twice and and will buy into it and that's absolutely fine um, do you think that gives an opportunity for you to play Rory McIlroy in the hope that people don't go to him it, it definitely does um, I think you know he's not going to be incredibly low on but I think under 20% uh, or you know right around the 18-19% I think would be probably the most likely Maybe even less because there's some there's some other popular guys, um, and yeah, it, I'm not going to be playing him, but um, that, it could be a mistake. But I think it does open the door in terms of you know lineup construction to play him. Yeah, I mean for me it was the, the kind of eye-catching name for me at the start. Well, obviously Corey Connors is going to be very very popular. He's going to be popular in the best market. He's going to be popular in the DraftKings. But I actually think it's going to be a really good turnaround course for Abraham Answer. I don't think it was the best course for him last week at the Mexico Open. Um, not obviously what he's used to at the Mayakoba. Um so I wasn't too, you know, disheartened by the fact he finished forty second there. His his, his long term form is slightly worrying, but I do think this is obviously a better course for him based on his sixth place finish here. Um well at this course at the Quickens Loan in two thousand eighteen, where he opened with sixty five, sixty six and closed with a sixty eight as well. Yeah, I, I in theory it's an excellent fit for answer. The concern for me is just, you know, last week um, he was he played pretty well, so that might diminish this. But there was the health issues, and then you know you think he's really just kind of gutted out and play because uh, you know the sponsorship with Vidanta and he's a, a a Mexican kind of carrying the torch for that event in the inaugural tournament. And you, you think if he's really you know he was going on adrenaline and all that last week, and then this week he comes here, maybe the injury is still there, maybe it isn't. But 
it, I like the play concerning the course fit, and it, he should be the lower owned guy above um, above ten thousand, the lowest. Yeah, yeah, I mean because Finau is obviously coming to people's attention after the finish last week. Um, you know, with with the strong sixty three bogey free on the final day, and you know, Connor's going to be popular. I, I don't know what to do with Fitz. I I don't actually care about Fitz this week, which. Seems a bit weird because it's probably a good golf course for him. It's a good golf course for Abraham Answer, but I just, I just think people are desperate. We something we spoke about this a couple of times. People are desperate to hit Matthew Fitzpatrick on his first win, and I think people might think that comes here. So I'll go elsewhere, but I can imagine he'll be quite popular. Yeah, uh, consider me among those who who fall into that category because I bet Fitz. He's my favorite play of of the week. Um, he is going to be somewhat popular, probably between fifteen and seventeen percent. But I just think, you know, if you could pick a golf course for him to contend at, it's probably this one. And uh, we've talked about this before with guys of kind of hot form. And he's not, he's not quite like Lowry was when he was kind of playing well every week and waiting for him to fall off. Um, he didn't play well at Heritage. I faded him then. But prior to that, I was on him when he was playing really well. And I have that kind of feeling again. And nothing he did when he missed the cut at Heritage really was all that concerning for me statistically. Or he just he lost strokes putting, which he usually doesn't do. And, and that's fine. I think this... This course, and a lot of guys are describing this as a U.S. Open style setup. You got to hit the fairway, and, you know. Tracking him this season, he's been just drilling fairways. Um, the problem with him is when you bet him, he just doesn't make enough of those birdie putts. And I think this week he can get away with that. If the winning scores between you know 10 and 13 under, that's a good ideal score for him. And if you don't like Rory, I think he's one of the guys who, you know, strangely as it sounds, carries a lot of win equity considering he doesn't win. But I think he can win this one. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, if you just, if you put his whole career and, and consider the worldwide starts, he's obviously got, you know, a decent win equity, right? And he just hasn't had another PJ Tour. And now he's, I think he's given himself the best chance this season to do so. My only concern with him is is if it does get a bit lower scoring, um, as we saw with kind of Francesco Molinari, uh, Abraham Anser, and Strillman all shooting 62s in 2018. Um, that then it would get away from him, but I, I can't necessarily see that happening. Um, Mark Leishman would be an interesting one um, because fifth and thirteenth course form. Um, the current form isn't great, and I just wonder. You say it's, well, I say it's not great, but he's got a fifteenth at Riviera and thirtieth at the Masters. They're not terrible, and sixteenth at Torrey Pines. I'm assuming he's going to be popular based on that course history, but if he wasn't, I'd certainly be interested in playing him. He's not going to be popular. Um, I would imagine above 9,000, besides Reed, who's at 9 flat. But from 9,100 and up, he'll be the lowest owned guy. In that uh, case, I'd, I'd probably start my lineups with him because if, if you could fade that whole top mark, maybe I'd maybe like to put him in with, with one of Answer or Connors because, you know, just eat some of the ownership. But I just... I don't really like Hatton. I, I've, I've sort of made my things clear on Hatton for quite some time, um, despite the fact he played okay at the Heritage. I do really like Keegan Bradley. He's my he's my bet this week, but ownership would be decent on him, I imagine. Um, and, you know, Keegan Bradley is Keegan Bradley. That is pain personified. Um, but I'm not really interested in Woodland. There's health concerns over Casey. Reed keeps dropping back when he looks like he's going to start going well. Um, and then you've got Russell Henley, which... No one knows what Russell Henley's going to do. So I think Leishman's actually quite a solid play. Definitely game theory-wise, he makes a lot of sense considering he's one of the higher-priced guys who no one's really going to go to. Um, 
I feel like we haven't seen much of him lately. I mean, I haven't seen his name that much. Haven't seen, you know, he played the Masters, but after that, nothing since. He, uh, you know, you'd think this isn't a good course for him, considering you really can't be wayward off the tee. And I think when he gets into trouble, he he really gets a case of the sprays, you know, right. Um, and he's a guy who's going to miss some fairways, and we're looking at fairways gained as pretty much my most important stat this week. And that's the reason why I, I'm not interested in him. But you said, you know. He has good course form, so there's something about it that fits his eye. He's done well, those classical tree-line tracks that, you know, you can see with this. You, I, I know you mentioned Travelage as a comp. He's won that. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Travelers and I really like Bay Hill, and, and both of those kind of come on to the point about Paul Casey. And, you know, he plays well at both of those courses. Obviously, he was playing well at Bay Hill earlier in the year before the blowout weekend. Do we know anything about his health? I still haven't seen anything. I know we're kind of discussing it in DMs, and, and maybe you've seen some more since we've had that conversation, but I, uh, I'm i slightly concerned. I was hoping you were going to tell me. Um, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so he he's not going as as little owned as I was hoping, but there are a lot of popular guys in, this ra- in, this, uh, in, in his range. But I'm probably going to play him um, because I really think if he's healthy – which is a big if, but if he is healthy, then this is a really great course for him. Um, and I think he's arguably the second best player in the field. I know some people would probably argue with that, but I think in terms of you know just cl- the type of class of player he is, he's he's definitely up there right after McElroy in that second tier. And you know in this type of game in DraftKings, you play for a guy's ceiling, and his ceiling in this field is is excellent, especially considering his price. Um, at 8,800, you can match him with one of those uh, other high-priced guys, and I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go with it because I did it at the Masters, right? Um, and and luckily we kind of got out of it, as, you know, if we could. But it's just a perfect, like you said, it's just a perfect golf course for him. He is probably, in terms of consistency, the second best player in this field. Uh, maybe the winning upside is, is arguable, but um, you know, Travelers. Bay Hill, I absolutely love, um, and and he slots into both of those. So then it comes to the other eight K guys. I think we'll just mention the guys that we do like rather than the sort of going by them one by one. Um, are you going to be playing Sergio again? No, I'm not. I'm not, and I know that's crazy because I play him every week. <laughs> I'm not playing him, so maybe this is the week that he wins. But I, uh, his irons just haven't been there, and I'm I've been trying to you know find excuses for him and talk my way around why the irons aren't the way they're supposed to be but they just aren't they're okay at the masters and he played pretty well at the masters and you know that's fine but um it just doesn't feel like the right course at the right time for me right now i don't know what to do with max homer because obviously he's going to be popular uh max homer is generally popular anyway he likes the world's fargo tournament he's obviously won at quail hollow um i don't think that necessarily translates to here but he's obviously played well um, at the other courses that we've mentioned and he's just got such a good body of work like I think he's actually underrated just how good he actually is because you know he, I think the fact that he's, he's almost a victim of his own success because his third win came at the Fortinet and everyone's kind of dismissed that as a as a bit of a nothing event you don't really consider the fact that he's already won Wells Fargo he's already won Riviera um, you know he's played well at Memorial Playable at Torrey Pines, which I think is another good course to, to kind of look at. And those two top 17 finishes, the Arnold Palmer, just kind of suit me to the ground. So um, I do like Max Homer. I, I worry about the ownership a little bit, and I worry about him just being popular in general. But um, I, I do think he's got the good game for this. Yeah, he, he, you know, in terms of just the class of player he is, he makes some sense. 
Um, it's not my favorite course fit for him. I know he's pretty good off the tee, but I think he can get a little bit wayward here and there. And I'm looking for guys who are kind of more reliable and, and hitting fairways. Um, and he's pretty good, 61% driving accuracy, but he's not at the likes of kind of these other guys at the top end of that range. So I do like him in general. I just think course fit-wise, I'm not, you know, I'd rather go elsewhere. So the other two for me to, to talk about were Seamus Power and Cameron Young. And I think I've kind of heard some chats from Seamus Power this week already, um, which suggests to me that he might be a, a little bit more popular than I kind of want. Um, but he's, he's played well at this golf course in the past. Um, before he was obviously... Uh, what he is now. So, have you got any interest in going back to Seamus Power? Because he was 38th and 53rd on his two starts here, but he actually opened with uh, 66 in 2018, uh, 7th, and he was actually 18th after 54 holes in 2017 as well. I I like Power a lot. Um, I I wouldn't probably bet him to win in this in this case, and I know some people are doing that, but not that's not for me. But the 8300, I think, is a great price for him. Ownership probably going to be in that 10 to 13 percent range. Nothing, you know. Um, that's going to sway me from playing him. And, you know, you mentioned Cameron Young, who is a little bit cheaper than him. And I think he's going to be probably one of the most popular, uh, if not the most popular guy on the on the slate. And if you look at their skill sets, I like Cam Young. And I think he's he's getting ready towards a win. I don't mean I don't want to dismiss that. But I think power is probably the more ideal fit for the golf course. And he's a, he's going to be a little bit less owned. And um, I, I'd rather play power. I just think they're the opposites, right? I think Power is the better bet, and I think, uh, sorry, Young is a better bet, and Power is the uh, Power is the better bet, and Young is no. Oh my God, this is terrible. Young is the better bet, and Power is a better DraftKings play. There we go. I finally got it out. I think that they're just the opposites. I think I'd love to bet uh, Cameron Young. I think the wind's coming. Um, I, I really like how adaptable he has been. Uh, you know, just on every golf course, right? He was 13th at Bay Hill. He was third at the Heritage, where you have had to club down. Um, and do things interestingly enough he was second at the Sanderson Farms as well where if you look at kind of the some of the players on the leaderboards over the years that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be there Bronson Bagoon was sixth here in 2018 uh, in the Quick and Loan sixth at the Sanderson Farms Chesson Hadley and Andrew Landry were both eighth that year second at the Sanderson Farm fourth at the Sanderson Farm so I think you know there, there is some of that uh, Ryan Armas famously won the Sanderson Farms and was about 100 shots back of Molinari here in 2018 as well so um, yeah, I think that the Sanderson Farm could be a little indicator. I don't think you need the Sanderson Farm to convince me that Cameron Young can win. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, in terms of game theory, it's probably uh, not for me in, in this, but definitely a bet. So that, that's a separate conversation. Was there anyone else you want to talk to in the 8K range? Uh, I just wanted to mention, June, you mentioned Club Down, and I think at Heritage he was great, which is, you know, maybe was surprising considering he's thought of as more of like a bomber. But I think at this place... You can't club down because the holes are so long. I think you have to hit driver, but you've got to hit it straight. And there's no way around it. You're going to be a total driver of the ball. Some, you, know, you don't have to be crazy long, but you just got to put it in the fairway. But you do want to take driver. And I'm sure guys like him, with the distance he has, like with him and Bryson and Champ, like three wood is as, much, as, as, as long as a Kyle Stanley driver, obviously. So there is that. But, um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about fading him. I'll, I'll give you that. But he's the most popular bet this week. And, and then I want to say one more thing about Casey is that the Masters is one thing. He goes there and attempts to play, and he withdraws before the event. But this week, why would he even pretend to attempt to play if he wasn't going to play? No, there's nothing. Like, why, why would he even commit to an event that it's not necessarily one? If it was like the Valspar or something, which he's won a couple of times, you'd think there, there was a reason for it. But I would 
hazard a guess that he's probably feeling okay after the back spasms and he's trying to gear himself up for the PJ Championship because I don't think Byron Nelson's necessarily something he's that interested in. Um, yep, exactly. So yeah, No one else for me in the 8K. I think you're right. Matt Kuchar is electric right now. You mentioned uh, a Matt Kuchar resurgence back at the Sony Open where he finished 7th. Uh, second and third at the Valero and the, the Heritage. And I think this is a perfect golf course for Matt Kuchar. Um, you, you know, you mentioned hitting driver and hitting straight. Well, that is Matt Kuchar. I consider it a little bit of a plodder's course. I do think this day and age that the Bombers can take advantage if they can hit it straight, which obviously the kind of modern technology allows them to do a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I really do like a lot about Matt Kuchar this week. And despite the fact we haven't got course form on him, um, I do think it would be a really good track for him. I, I agree. In theory, I think that's that's probably true. And his finishes in the last two, second and third. I mean, you can't you can't argue with that. My my main concern here is statistically the way he's been doing it has not been encouraging. He's you know he finished third at the Heritage. He lost strokes both off both off the tee and on approach. Gained 7.2 putting. At Valero, he lost off the tee. Was okay on approach. Gained slightly. Gained 7.4 putting. Um, you know, in any other event, when he's not gaining five or six strokes putting, he's not doing well. And, you know, is that something that you can really depend on? And you could argue also that that's what he's always done, even when he was very good. So I, I understand that, too. But I would like to see him a little bit better um, in those other areas. With that being said, 7900 is still a good price, and he's seeming, seemingly coming in pretty low on, so I think he's a good player. Well, I think I think the fact that you, what you mentioned there about the approach numbers and the driving is going to keep him off of, like, you know, models and, and kind of statistics, right? And people are not going to see him for that. They're obviously going to see his current form and still play him. But the, the argument I'd have is that we know that Kucha can get hot with his irons on any given week, and... I don't necessarily think he's the type to, to have swing changes or tinker or anything like that. I think it, it will just come one week and, and he'll hit it well. And why not here? I mean, it, it's a kind of, it, again, it was more of a bet. He was like 50 to 1. I think it's a great bet for that. And I think, generally speaking, at 7,900, he's going to be solid getting through. So um, I have no real concerns other than maybe the winning upside isn't there if the irons are not what you want them to be. How did he do when he. I, I imagine he played here one of those two times in 17 or 18. He didn't. No. Oh, so, he didn't. No. So that was that was the thing for me is that he hasn't actually played here, which was surprising because it kind of, um, or maybe he did. Maybe he did play here. Let's have a look. What am I talking about? I did have him down for something. Oh, no. So he didn't play here either of the last two years. His only uh, form here is way back in kind of like 2003 where he played the Capital Open or whatever it was, and he, he was 75th that week, but obviously not too concerned about that. So, yeah, he didn't play here over the last two years, um, which is interesting, I think, in itself. Maybe that is a concern because, it, you know, if, if we think it's a good golf course, or at least I think it's a good golf course, why didn't he play it? Um, so interesting to see more thoughts on that. Um Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focus on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. 
Now this set is normally $218, but it's $130 for a limited time only. And with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120. And again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Rest of the 7K range, then there's there's some obvious names to me that, that kind of stick out. Um, one that I think is going to be pretty popular based on current form. Uh, I think we kind of talked about him last week in, in Anaban Lahiri, who's 7,400 and, and playing some really good golf. Yeah, he was my, my headline bet last week. Um, I, I based his bet Lahiri at... 80, woo at 130, and then Bryce Garnett, but you know he came in 15, so it, so it really was a good week for me. But um, Lahiri was was great, especially on Sunday, and you do like to see a guy get hot on Sunday, and then kind of roll into the next round. Um, I do like him. I like I like Lahiri. Um, you know I I do get a little bit concerned. It's going to be a cold, chilly Northeast. Is that really where he's had any success in his career? From what we've seen, not really. Um, he was 13th here in the quick right. loans which is is the one thing that kind of drew me to him because he had a 67 uh bookend 67s and a saturday 65 there and just a 74 kind of cost him a chance to win so um possibly not but i, I do like the fact that it's kind of not windy and he can kind of play i think just when these guys are as hot as he is right now like if it's kind of calm conditions especially on a thursday go out roll out build a score um, and kind of build the week from there i kind of like that approach and here he fits that mold for me yeah, I, I'm definitely playing him. He's one of the four guys I have starred in this in this uh, 7K range. And the one thing I will say it could be a little bit different is those previous 27, 2017 and 2018, I think we're in June, right? And we're a little bit earlier in the year here. So it's going to it's gonna be a little chillier for these guys. And, um, you know, I don't know if they'll make it play easier or harder, maybe less firm than it was back in June because a lot of guys talked about that firmness. So hopefully it doesn't make it make it too easy. But I am playing him. Um, the two guys who I, I guess I wanted to mention, who I'm not playing, but the two very popular guys here are uh, Joel Damon and uh, Keith Mitchell. And I'll be fading both of them, but how do you feel about them? I'm not playing either of them either. I, I, I completely see the Keith Mitchell thing. I know uh, Damon generally just gets decent ownership whenever he's reasonably priced in a, a shorter field because you know he, he does tend to play well in them. But... Um, yeah, when, when they're popular, I don't really have any need to do it. I've kind of done my Keith Mitchell popular for the season, um, and I think it's kind of running out. I mentioned it uh, happening soon, and, and I, I don't think it necessarily has. I do, I do still think he can play well, but you know, are we overvaluing what Joel Damon did in 2018 when he finished 23rd? You know, that's that's a decent but not strong enough finish to play him at really high ownership. The other guy for me that that kind of really stuck out was Kevin Strillman. You know, I mentioned that kind of 62 earlier where. You know, he shot the course record with um, Molinari and Abraham Anser. He's got a 17th from the 32nd here. You like that kind of play of, of driving it straight down the middle of the fairway. He's going to do that, you know, definitely. That's kind of what he does. Where he's playing well at the moment is where you want to see him playing well. He's played well at the Valspar, which you'd expect him to. 22nd at the players is a bonus. 18th at the Valero, again, is kind of just middling. 16th at the Honda. Um, again, sort of good cause for him. So I think that he's playing well at the golf courses you expect him to. It hasn't been the best run of, of you know of courses for him, but he's absolutely electric at the Travelers Championship first and second. So if my kind of interest in that is right, 
um, then Kevin Stroman's a perfect candidate for me. He makes sense. Um, I'm not going to be playing with him. Playing him, every, I feel like every time I do, it kind of, I don't know, it doesn't really go the way I want it to. And it's like, you stay off of it, man. Because, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, go- I'm going to. But looking next to him, and I didn't, I didn't originally think about this guy, but Matt Jones, who everyone, for whatever reason, really liked him last week. And I don't consider Mexico or a bomber's course a place where you want to play Matt Jones. I was very confused about that. I had no interest in him whatsoever. But now we're going to a place where it should suit him a lot better. It's a you know, shorter hitter shorter hitter who's great with his irons and he is pretty much unowned at this point he was second at Valero and then at Mexico what he let people down but that was mostly with the putter he lost five strokes putting he was good off the tee he was pretty much good everywhere else um I'd rather go to him as a pivot at two percent than play Damon or even Streelman or Straka who's very popular or Neesmith who's very popular um yeah Another good thing that he obviously played well uh, at Bay Hill in the past, third there. I think it's a little while ago now, but he's, he's been third there. Uh, he was 38th missed cut on two starts here, but I think Matt Jones is going through probably one of the best patches of his career, so I think he can improve on that. The Open was 68 in 2017. Yeah, I agree with the assessment. I think that if, if you liked him last week, you should probably be going into him again, uh, definitely at low ownership. And, and you see that, right? You know, people get really excited about a player for, for whatever reason. He lets them down, and you get a discount the following week. And it just so happens it's probably a better course for him. Right. And uh, a couple other guys. Um, Wu, who obviously was great for me last week, and maybe I have a little cloudy judgment there, but he's just been solid in his last three or four events. And I think this guy, his amateur career was spectacular. He was great in college. He was won the Corn Ferry Championship, and he beat a bunch of guys like Zalatoris and the guys that are, you know, some very good players in that Corn Ferry Tour Championship. I think talent-wise, he is up and coming, and I have a, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in him going forward. Is this the right course for him? Probably not. Um, but, you know, in terms of a ceiling talent play, I don't mind going back there, especially we, we, we talked about piggybacking those guys off of a hot Sunday round. He could maybe do that too. And it's a and it's a substantiated stretch, right? You you tried to set me on it last week when uh, he's third, thirty third, twenty eighth. It's now third, thirty third, twenty eighth, second. Um, you know, it's it's a good stretch, right? And you want to see it. So uh, my concern maybe is that people do jump on him because you know he's he's a name. But if that doesn't happen, then there's I don't know if he can match what he did, and maybe what he did last week is probably a seed in play for this season. Um, but yeah, going forward, I don't have any concerns about his talent level. Then it comes to my two favourite people to mention in this range, and one of them is a really scary player, and one of them I think is actually a lot more solid than maybe people give it credit for. But I'll come with a scary one first. It's Luke List. That one is scary, and I was shocked when I saw the betting odds when he was one hundred thirty to one. I was like, what? The? I, I don't understand that. Um, I've never played Luke List ever. I've never put him in a lineup before, and I've never bet him before. And I'm not going to start now. But with that being said, he does a lot of things you that you'd want, you know, a guy to do here. Um, he has the comps you were talking about when he, you know, and he won at Tory, which I think is a, a pretty good comp for this place, especially you know with a um, a lot of guys uh, leaderboard crossover. So yeah, he makes sense to me. I'm not going to do it. I just don't see any reason to for my, myself personally. But he makes sense. So he's won Tory. Um... He's one at the well, he's second at the Sanson Farm. Sorry, he was sixth at Quail Hollow, which I don't necessarily think matters, but it's the event itself. And two top tens at Bay Hill, right? I just I just think there's a chance that 
I think he was gearing up so much for that first Masters since playing as an amateur or whatever it was that he did it, um, that he kind of focused everything around that. And I think there was bound to be a bit of a lit down. Um, then, of course, he goes to Heritage, not good either, which, you know, maybe a slight concern, bearing in mind that he's been third there in the past. But I think there was just a lot of, you know, the Masters are coming, I want to build up for it. And I think now he's finally off of that and, and back to kind of his normal schedule, that could kind of help. Um, so that was kind of a, if he's really low owned and he's quite a big price in the betting market, it's worth taking a chance. The other one's Bo Hostler. I think Bo Hostler is, is safe, which is not something you necessarily uh, consider with Bo Hostler, but he finished sixth here, I think it was, um, you know, back in 2018. I'm just going to kind of bring it up in front of me again. Yeah, he was sixth here. He opened with a... 65 to sit fifth after the first round, 66 second round to sit first after the 36 holes. Played badly at the Heritage, played badly at the players, but we know kind of both of those could have got a bit funky. Fourth at the, the Texas Open, 20th at the Arnold Palmer, where he was two, within two of the first round lead. Um, you know, 18th or 16th at the Honda Classic, third at Pebble, 16th at the Fortinet. It's been a really solid season for Bo Hostler, and you just look at kind of his peak performances and it's two times at the Travellers and two times um, at Bay Hill. So if I'm wrong about those course comps, then I'm probably wrong about Bo Hostler's chances um, because that's basically what I'm basing it on. But second and 10th at Travellers, um, 20th and 24th at Bay Hill, all within uh, his best OWGR uh, finishes. Farmers, you like, tied ninth there, tied sixth at this golf course uh, as well on that list. So I think all of those things point to a good week for Bo Hostler. He is low-owned, and I, I don't mind the play. A concern I would have is when he was in the mix at Valero, he kind of had a chance to win the thing, and he felt it. And I, and then the, you know, the next time he played at Heritage, he was absolutely awful. Um, I, he might have finished in dead last at Heritage. 127th. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, statistically, it was horrific. He's lost on approach in three straight events, including the Valero when he finished in fourth place. He relies a lot on the putter. Um, I'm not a big hostler guy in, in general. I think he doesn't really have the type of um, you know attributes and skills that a lot of the current good players have, and he has a hard time keeping up when he's not gaining seven strokes putting. Uh, and you know he's gained seven at Valero, six at API, six at Honda, and those are his three top twenties. Um, you know in the in the past few months, so I, I'm not going to be playing him. Um, but he's, I like him better than List because I'm right now I'm seeing List at 9% and Hostler at 3 So I, I do like that. I, I just think, like, to me, like, again, it's another one a bit like Kutcher. He's just not going to pop up on those statistical models because he just doesn't do that right. And I think he's very hard to trust from a, from a ball striking point of view from his whole career, right? He's never been uh, a great ball striker. He's, he's been okay at driving at, at times. But generally speaking, it is always charged by short game. And that's not the kind of guys you want to be confident on. But I just think from a from a you know long shot perspective from a last man in on your on your team i think he could do some damage and you know when we start going into the 6k range and it gets a bit dicey there's going to be some popular plays there that i probably want to avoid and just pay out for a hustler yeah i i see it um there's a couple guys who are two of my favorite guys um in this range and first one is you mentioned betting keegan keegan bradley i can offer you the same guy for uh, for seventy three hundred, Brendan Steele. Yep, it's literally um, the same person. That's why they played <laughs> at the zero. The same, isn't it? Yeah, he, he's he's legit the same guy, and he's seventy three hundred and six percent owned, as opposed to you know what whatever you're paying for Bradley. And I think 
Um, he, you know, didn't do as well as I thought he was going to do when I was really high on him at, at the Valero. Um, but besides that, he was great at the players, great at API. You mentioned that as a comp. Yep. He lost six strokes putting at API, gained 10.1 tee to green. So, um, you know, and this this is a place where we've seen bad putters get away with get away with it. Uh, so he's a guy who I'm looking to maybe. I don't I don't think he's capable of winning, but a top 10 bet in a, a DraftKings play, I think he's fairly safe um, considering, you know, kind of the way he's playing right now. And he was great at the at the team event with Bradley that week too. Two top six finishes at the Travelers. So again, if I'm right about that one, then uh, it's a great play. You know, it, it really is. And you've been right on Brendan Steele before and, and I hope you're going to be right on Brendan Steele again. So um, I like Brendan Steele. I think that's a good player. I think there's, there's just going to be so many popular names around that. You, you kind of got... Um, I'm guessing Kitty Armour is going to have a little bit of ownership after last week. Alex Smalley, again, probably someone that's going to have a little bit of ownership. Um, Lahiri, we've kind of spoken about already. So I think just having that guy there that, that maybe people aren't on is going to be uh, a benefit. Going to the 6K range, I'm guessing Sung Kang is going to be the most popular uh, guy here at 6'9", or is he just a little bit more expensive than people willing to pay? Sung Kang is looking pretty much unowned. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, like you say, the, the people with their models and all that stuff, I mean, um, I don't like to go too deep down the road. I, just, I think it's one factor of the equation, but I think it's going to keep people off him because he's been so bad for so long. But I'm seeing 1%. So that, that actually makes sense because the way he's playing suggests he should be 1% owned, right? Like that is that is what you want. But he made the cut last week at, at you know, at Mexico. Um 22nd in Puerto Rico, 26th for Phoenix, 42nd at Pebble Beach. All of those finishes are good enough to pay off kind of what he's done, uh, what you want him to do here. And he's been 6th, 5th and 3rd on the golf course. 6th on the Corn Ferry Tour and, and two top fives here. I'm playing him purely as a first round leader in terms of betting because I don't trust him to play well all week. Um, but if, if I think he can be a first round leader, then I certainly think he can do some damage in uh, some lineups. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the one thing that kind of gives me a little ptsd from the last couple of months here is uh he's basically D- danny lee where he's that guy who like can spike once in a while or just be completely horrible and by the way your danny lee card is revoked you're not allowed to pick him anymore yeah i don't want danny lee anymore anyway <laughs> that's fine <laughs> after watching uh, him and, and kiradek after barn rat just just ruin my day on thursday um kiradek was fine he, he ended up you know finishing okay holding one as well on thursday yeah um, that was a good. That was a good. I like that. I, I had him too. He was in uh, in a, one of my my better lineups. Um, but with Kang, yeah, especially if he's unowned, definitely I think um, worth a shot. Scott Pearce is another name there, and I've just been just kind of writing up my first round leader column. He's he's played some good golf recently. Um, in top ten in approach last week in Mexico. I don't know if it's necessarily the best course for him. Uh, I haven't really got anything to to think about that. But I think he can plod around a golf course like this. Uh, and maybe get his driver working. So a bit more than I'd be willing to pay maybe on Scott Pearce. You kind of like him at the kind of like a 64, 6,500, but I guess that might get the ownership down as well. Yeah, I, I think um, he, he makes some sense. Been popping up a lot. You know, I've been seeing his name way more often than usual. Um, 1%, no one's going to be playing him at 6,900. Yeah, he, may, he makes a little bit of sense. Um, my, I have a guy at 6,900 who is more popular than I was hoping, and I just I'm finding this out now for the first time. But Tyler Duncan, who I thought everyone was going to be off because people kind of liked him last week and he was horrible, but I expect him to be horrible because it was a a big bombers course and he can't do that. But prior to that, he was 12th at the Heritage, 
I followed him closely at the Zurich. Um, I got a top 10 bet on them, and they, they came pretty close, but he played very well. He almost car- he carried Shank for a lot of that. I, w- I did want to go back to him at 6,900, but now that I'm seeing 6, 7%, it's, um, it might sway me off of him. Just want to rewind very quickly before we kind of think about closing this. David Lipsky is not someone we spoke about in the 7K range, and he was 7.5, and he's got a 7th at the Corrales and a 6th at the Mexico Open. Um in these last three starts and he finished fourth in that team event as well 26th at bay hill obviously a bit of a comp there so i just wonder if david lipsky could be interesting he's obviously expensive for, for what he is uh we always like to play david lipsky at kind of 66 6500 i'm guessing but um i thought that was an interesting name kind of before we signed up yeah I, I agree with that um and the one thing that i'm concerned about with both him and a guy like woo and a guy like you know Less so Lahiri, but especially those other two. If both those great results are coming at Mexico and Puerto, and Puerto Rico and Corrales, it's like, is it these past Palm guys? They really do have a specialty, and they yeah. and they tend to pop up there. And I'd be worried about relying too much on what's happened in, in, in those two events. And I feel like this week is just so different that it's tough to to garner much information from it. Yeah, and that was there was another guy, Andrew Novak, that played well last week and hit the ball well. That that kind of I thought you could apply the same thing to, and then when I looked, it was all at those golf courses, and that did concern me more. With Lipsky, I, I was kind of encouraged by the fact that he'd done well at Bay Hill on top of of those recent events. So I kind of like that. But yeah, I, those points that you just made definitely apply to to Novak, who is someone I did look at down here. Otherwise, I I really don't have much in in the lower sit K range. I, I, Jonathan Bird, I guess, is popping at times, but um, don't really want to be trying to do too much with Jonathan Bird, whether he's 6,300 or not. Um, and Chesson Hadley's got great cause for me if you want to buy into that. But um, the, there's a reason he's 6,200. I, I just going to say this to, the, to everyone out there. You guys done playing Smotherman yet? Or are you guys going <laughs> to keep playing him? Because he stinks every week. But you, everyone keeps wanting to float his name out there and play him all the time for, for whatever reason. So, But it's looking like 7% for him, so they're not done yet. One more week, I guess. It's always one more week with those guys, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm probably guilty of, of similar players. Maybe not, because he's really just never done it, right? Like, there's just been yeah. no evidence of ever. I know he was 11th at Tory, but that's an event that kind of gets wacky, I suppose. I Yeah, to me, I just, I'll let everyone else do it. I don't care. Um, I'd rather take a chance on someone like Andrew Putnam at a similar price. I'd rather take a chance... Um, Maybe just give Kiridek another go. I don't think it's a good golf course for him, but you know he, he's there and he's making cuts. Um, but otherwise, I, I haven't got anything else in the six K range. No, this range is dicey. I'm going to probably end most of my laps, and I'll have plenty of room to do this. Um, and in, in the low sevens, a couple of guys we didn't talk about who I like: Martin Laird, who's going to be popular but fits the course well. Cam Davis, who might be worth a shot, who's played shorter golf courses well. Lucas Glover, who seems like a, a perfect fit here. So I, I like a bunch of guys in those low sevens, which I'm not going to need to dip into the six as much. Yep, no, I agree with all that. So let's quickly summarise then our best plays from 10K and above for you. Um, for me, it's it's Fitz. I think he breaks through here. I will just say Corey Connors because I think he's the safest, although I don't really like the range because uh, of ownership. Uh, 9K range. Um, I'm going to cheat here. I, I don't, I'm don't. i not playing anyone in the 9K range, so I can't pretend that I am. I'm going to go Casey at 8,800. I'm going to go Leishman. I just think he's got a good chance to kind of work on that. Uh, another guy for you from the 8K range on top of Casey, then? Um, I'm going to go with, and I know you like him as well, um, I'm going to go the Power 8300. Yeah, let's do Power. I like that. I think it's good. It's solid. Uh, 7K range. This is where I think the, 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 the wheat will be won. 
I am going to go with Steel, 7,300. Yeah, see, I like that. I think that's smart. I'm going to go with Bo Hostler. I know, I know the statistical uh, models are not going to flash him up, and, and I kind of like that. I think he can win me the week, for, you know, just by finishing top five. Uh, and then the 6K range? Dice um, I'm go, yeah, I'm, I don't like much. I'm going to go with Tyler Duncan. Where am I going to go in the 6K range? This, well, I really don't like it. I guess because he's 1%, I'm just going to say Sun Kang. I, yeah. I, I guess, you know, if, if he's just going to have good vibes here, he, he clearly likes a golf course. Um, you know, it's, it's not too long ago that he opened with a 61 in the Shriners, so if he can come back to a golf course he likes and, and go well, then uh, Sun Kang's the one for me. So I think that's us summarised for the Wells Fargo Championship. We've got the Byron Nelson next week before our second major of the year at the PGA Championship. So uh, plenty still to come from us, Matt, and uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. All right, good luck. Let's uh, maybe spike a big DraftKings win this week, huh? That's what we hope. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. All right, thank you. Thank you.